You're listening to a special Drishti Point radio uh, podcast. I'm Cynthia Ganatra, and I'll be interviewing Dr. Will Tuttle. Dr. Will Tuttle is an educator, author, and composer. He has lectured and performed widely throughout North America and Europe. He's the author of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The World Peace Diet, and is a recipient of the Peace Abbey's Courage of Conscience Award. He's been traveling with his spouse, Madeline, full-time for 17 years in their solar-powered rolling home, presenting over 150 lectures, retreats, workshops, and concerts per year through churches, conferences, spiritual gatherings, and for yoga, vegetarian, meditation, environmental peace, and social justice communities. Welcome, Dr. Tuttle. Thank you. Great to be here with you. We're great to have you here. Um, I've read your book, and I've already interviewed Dr. Tuttle. He knows I'm a great fan of his. So for those who haven't read your book before, can you give us a brief introduction about what your book is about, and your, a bit of your past background, and how you came to decide to write this book? Sure, yes. The World Peace Diet has a, a fundamental core theme, which is that all of us are living in a society, in a culture, that has an invisible core that we're not supposed to think about or talk about with each other. It's uh, taboo, really, but uh, it has to do with our routine mistreatment of animals, primarily for food, but for other things as well. And uh, the basic thesis of the World Peace Diet is that our routine uh, mistreatment of animals for food, which goes on relentlessly uh, and is participated in by almost everyone in our society, is really the foundation not only of enormous suffering for the animals, but also is the foundation for both the outer uh, crises that we're facing economically, environmentally, politically, uh, socially, uh, and but also I think even more importantly is the driving force behind the inner way of thinking that we have that makes the problems that we're having inevitable, that we will always be suffering from violence uh, among pe human beings and misunderstandings and conflict and injustice and equality and uh, exploitation and oppression with each other because this is what we're routinely doing to animals. We're sowing those mm -hmm. seeds and we're reaping that ourselves and yet it seems that we do not make the connections. In a, we're born in a society where we're taught to disconnect and not understand this. So the World Peace Diet to me is a, a wake-up call to help us see what's going on and then to bring our lives into alignment with our values and to awaken out of the cultural trance the official stories that are drummed into our heads from the time of little children. And I guess what got me to write the book essentially was just realizing, at first I thought someone else would write it. You know? I actually <laughs> I thought, thought I would write the book. When I read your book, I was like, this is the book I wanted to write, right. actually. I've heard people say that. I was like, oh, Except I would have written that book, but I, you know, I just couldn't quite get around to it. So I kept thinking someone would write it, and finally I thought, all right, I guess I better volunteer here. And it took me five years, and I've been a vegan now for 33 years, so I, I've done a lot of research. I've been involved with the animal rights movement and the peace and social justice movements for many years. And, and my PhD at Berkeley really focused on the big picture, anthropology and sociology, as well as peace studies. I took a lot of classes in peace studies. And, um, but nobody at Berkeley and pretty much anywhere makes the connection with animals, mistreatment of animals and, and the injustice towards women, towards hungry people, towards future generations, towards ecosystems. To me, the, our, it's foundational, our violence towards animals. It really lays the foundation. It's, a, it's the orientation in our society in general that we're all, uh, again, forced to participate in from the time of little kids. And so uh, after having been a vegetarian for about five years and then a vegan for many years, 
uh, I realized that this was a calling. I guess it was just basically a calling that someone would write this book and uh, make these connections. So that's that's the reason behind it. Um, and I'm so glad you wrote that book. <laughs> I think I've told you that a few times. Um, I'm sure you and our listeners know that many teachings on yoga advocate a vegetarian diet. Um, I once saw a wonderful YouTube video you did discussing why dairy is not compatible with yoga and ahimsa, which we know is nonviolence. Can you elaborate on this? As you mentioned, you were a vegetarian before, and a lot of people who practice yoga practice the vegetarian diet, but not so much the vegan right. diet. Well, the thing is, I think people are starting to understand that actually, if you look at a block of cheese and a piece of animal flesh, you're looking at two things that probably contain equal amounts of suffering, in, in the sense that both are products of enormous violence towards animals, and specifically female animals. And I think if we uh, look more deeply into our routine mistreatment of female animals, we start to see what's going on behind the scenes in dairy operations, and we realize that it's just enormous cruelty. These, these poor animals are, are basically, uh, typically, anyway, in 90, probably well over 95% of operations, uh, they're, they're confined extremely. Even in so-called organic dairies, they're very often confined terribly, and they just have a name, you know, organic. But, the, uh, but in all cases, they are impregnated against their will at a very young age, much younger than they normally ever would be impregnated in, naturally in the wild. Uh, after nine months of being pregnant and giving birth to the baby, this is their baby. They want nothing more than to love and nurture the baby and give the baby their milk. That, from the point of view of the dairy operator, organic or not, that is not their baby, that is my baby. The baby is always stolen. The, the dairy cow is then impregnated again against her will. So she's kept pregnant and lactating simultaneously. Normally dairy cows would, or cows in general would live probably 35, 20, well 25 to 30, maybe 35 years naturally. And yet we find uh, on a typical dairy, organic or not, after five years they're, they're uh, sent off to slaughter. They're worn out. They have severe osteoporosis. Their babies, uh, if they've usually by that time given four babies. Uh, and three out of four of those will be, will be killed, either immediately just to get rid of them, or for veal, or perhaps for beef, or, and one will be, usually become a slave in the dairy. So there's a horrific violence towards the dairy cows, and the products are the products of violence. And I think the more we understand this, we will, we will see that uh, we can't actually own another living being for our own purposes and, and think that we can be uh, not violent. I mean, that is an act of violence. We know that slavery, for example, in the United States, owning an, a human being uh, as property is inherently violent. We're stealing their freedom. We're stealing their purpose. Uh, it's a form of exploitation and oppression. And with animals, it's no different. Animals, just as much as us, as, as we do, have interests that are as important to them as they are to us, and they yearn for their freedom as much as we do. There's no greater punishment you can give someone, throw them in jail, basically. Mm -hmm. And we do that to these cows. We own them, we, we confine them, and we also uh, inflict a lot of suffering on them. So uh, we don't, and the other thing is, there's nothing in milk, cow's milk, that is good for us, really. I mean, it's full of toxins, and I can go on, I can talk way more than we have time here about the toxins in milk, but just, just for starters, there's casein, which has been called the number one most potent carcinogen to which humans are routinely exposed by T. Colin Campbell. Uh, there's IGF-1 growth hormone, which is also a carcinogen. 
Uh, there's lactose, which is also difficult for most people to digest, and there are all kinds of hormones naturally occurring within the milk, plus uh, the memory secretions of any animal will concentrate the toxins, the environmental toxins, and there are a huge amount of environmental toxins. These animals are forced to eat not just grass like they normally would, but grain, which is very hard on them, and legumes like soybeans to, and, and flesh. The, the cows are eating more fish in the, in the United States than human beings are. So they're, they're, they're eating pigs and, and chickens, and they fed other cows to cows. It was a routine, uh, routine procedure for decades until we made the connection that that causes mad cow disease. So we have to understand that there's a, very, there's a lot of hidden violence in dairy operations and a lot of cruelty. And the best thing we can do for our own health and for the ecosystems, global warming is also driven uh, by dairy production and, and cattle raising. Is to uh, is to not eat any dairy products at all, and uh, we'll be much healthier. And, uh, and the cows, we can let them be free. And have almond milk, which is delicious. Almond milk, rice milk, <laughs> milk coconut milk, milk, coconut milk, and yeah. milk. You know, there's all kinds all of uh, alternatives, yeah, right? Definitely. Wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. So, also in your book, you mentioned the domination of the feminine and how it relates to our food choices. Yeah, it's not just dairy cows and, and hens for eggs that are dominated, but virtually all animal agriculture, pigs fish, whatever, they, they are systems of exploiting and dominating the female reproductive organs of female animals. That's been the foundation for animal agriculture as long as it's existed, which has only been about 10,000 years, so it's a relatively new phenomenon as far as humanity is concerned. And uh, the herding cultures that have emerged that own and dominate animals for food are very powerful, you know, patriarchal. Uh, cultures where the inner feminine, the, so what I refer to as Sophia, the, the sacred feminine, in both men and women is suppressed, which is devastating to our to ourselves spiritually, psychologically, and culturally. It allows us to be destroying the earth and not really um, care because Sophia has been so repressed. Mm -hmm. The inner feminine wisdom that that would naturally want to protect the earth and protect our relationships with each other and with children. Uh, that's so repressed by forcing children to eat dairy products and meat and eggs and, and all of us growing up in this culture we've been wounded in that way I think it's the greatest wound that we go through actually and it's a driving force I think behind uh, war as well Definitely, I agree <laughs> um, I often hear um, I'm a nutritionist and I often hear many people say that they were vegan or vegetarian but it didn't work they got sick and now they're in tune with their bodies, and I think you touched upon this a bit, but can you talk about, you mentioned the word myth of the human predation in your book. Are na humans naturally predatory, and what are the main reasons people eat these foods then? Well, no, humans are not natural, naturally predatory, and it's obvious from our physiology, this is becoming more and more well known, that every you look at our physical body, our dentition, we have very small teeth, very short teeth, very weak, soft teeth. We have very weak jaws. We have a jaw that is hinged for side-to-side -side movement like herbivores. Uh, we have a very small mouth, a flat face, a very complex musculature in our faces for expressions, not for, uh, we can't break bones, we can't tear through flesh. We have a um, completely different digestive system, very weak pH in our digestive and, uh, system. And, um, and saliva that's intended just does one thing, which is break down carbohydrates. We have a long digestive tract, a circulatory system that does not tolerate saturated fat and cholesterol. And so when we, you know, when we eat the flesh of animals, it, you know, our body is a miracle. It'll just do whatever it can to try to accommodate that. But 
uh, you know, we feed a lot of meat to cows too, and it's obviously not supposed to. They're not intended to eat meat. We just do it. We, it's the same. It's the same principle applies. Cows are forced to eat meat not because it's in their interest to do so, because it's in the interest of their exploiters to do so. And it's the same thing for human beings. We are eating meat and dairy not because it's in our interest to do so. It's because it's in the interest of our exploiters to do so. We will be much more compliant, much less aware. We'll be good customers of the pharmaceutical medical complex. We'll go to war without thinking. You know, that, what we're talking about with veganism is questioning the official stories of our society of violence. And it's, it's a violence that not only causes us to commit violence and, and, and force slavery on other living beings, but also forces us to receive violence and become enslaved ourselves. And so if we move to a plant-based diet, inherently we'll be healthier, but we may either, number one, start cleansing, which naturally happens and don't feel great because we're cleaning out all those toxins, and if we start eating meat and dairy again, we'll stop the cleansing process and we'll feel better, but that's just because we stopped the cleansing. Or B, we can go vegan and eat really lousy food, mm -hmm. uh, so it's important to eat organic, whole foods, plant-based diet, and, and not eat a lot of junk food. And then C, we have to clean out the, um, the thoughts in our mind, the placebo, call it the placebo effect in the world peace diet. We've been taught for, since we were infants and told by everyone in our entire world that we need to eat animal foods to get enough protein and calcium, and we have to heal ourselves of those delusions. Mm -hmm. Actually, I love that part about the placebo effect in your book. It's right. One of my favorite parts. Um, so, a bit about spiritual health. You also talk about the vibrations in food in in your book. So, how are we affected on a metaphysical level when we eat these animal products? Right. Well, basically, the metaphys a chapter called "The Metaphysics of Food in the World Peace Diet," and that addresses uh, the fact that toxins. It's well known that toxins concentrate in animal foods. That toxins, that heavy metals. Uh, like mercury and cadmium, asbestos, PCBs, dioxin, nuclear radiation, you know, all the herbicides, pesticides, and other chemicals that are sprayed on crops all concentrate in the flesh and secretions of animals, and in the flesh, especially the flesh of fish and dairy products and eggs are especially toxic because of this. However, that's just the physical toxins, and I think it's important for us to be aware that there are what I refer to as metaphysical toxins that are also concentrating the, not only the hormones and adrenaline, uh, of animals uh, because when they're killed uh, they're terrified and so there's all kinds of hormones going through their bodies of fear and terror and or, or in the case of dairy cows they're in despair and anguish and they're giving milk uh, and who would want to be feeding that to their children all that despair and anguish but we're actually eating and bringing into the sacred body temple uh, vibrations that are extremely uh, negative we're bringing in the mo most horrible uh, despair and anguish and uh, rage and fear and anxiety and pain uh, imaginable. The, uh, factory farms and slaughterhouses are absolute hell realms for animals and for humans. And wh why would we ever want to bring that in? It brings out the worst in us. And, and to give that to our children who are sensitive, going to a beautiful garden where fruits and vegetables are grown in harmony with nature and bringing out, in a sense, the best of us, bringing out the qualities of nurturing and caring and eating of that and the abundance of that is the complete opposite of eating animal foods where animals are always resisting, they're terrified, they're, they're, they're um, afraid and uh, trying to get away. And when we eat that, we're eating foods that will disrupt our mind and cause uh, a lot of internal anxiety and upset and nightmares and psychological problems. 
Um, let's talk about fish. <laughs> it's a topic among other living creatures you devote space in your book, and it's an animal that many people eat and still call themselves vegetarian or pescatarian. Many people believe that fish and fish oils are very healthy. You give reasons in your book why they're not. Can you explain and also touch on if fish feel pain? Because people or, often think they don't. Right. <laughs> fish are uh, not only uh, just as sentient as we are. I mean, they have the same exact central nervous system we have with pain receptors like we have. They have complex social relationships. They have intelligence that is now considered to be at the level of non-human primates. They use tools. They have... Uh, they've been on the planet longer than any other animal, so they had a long time to really evolve and develop abilities. And um, also, they're swimming in oceans, and, and the, all the toxins of everything we do on land end up in the water, so their flesh is actually, unfortunately, uh, e extremely polluted by uh, all kinds of toxins. And the overfishing, uh, essentially, the, the rampant overfishing of the oceans, where we're just completely strip mining them of fish, is, is causing the oceans to collapse causing the acidification of oceans. That's caused by not only by overfishing, but also by all the toxic runoff and by the global climate change, the global warming. All of these are driven by animal agriculture in general. And we're seeing today, and it's, and it's getting worse, really unfortunately every day, the literally complete collapse of ocean ecosystems driven by humans eating meat, dairy products, eggs, and especially eating fish. So if we care about the environment, if we care about the suffering of other animals, uh, there's, there's the first place we should start is to eliminate all f eating of all fish and eating any meat because, again, the driving force behind fishing, besides feeding the fish to humans, is to feed fish to pigs, cows, chickens, and fa other factory farm fish. Two-thirds of the fish we're eating are factory farmed. And so when someone buys fish in the store, number one, it's unregulated. You don't know what you're eating. You don't know. You may, it may say on the meat, the fish that you're eating, it may say, uh, you know, deep ocean wild-caught salmon, and it may be some factory farmed catfish or trout or, <laughs> or salmon or something else, um, there's uh, rampant uh, m you know, mislabeling of fish. But, but beyond that, all the fish causes enormous suffering to them and to the ecosystems such that it, it's completely unsustainable and we must understand this and really stop quickly. We can get whatever nutrients we think we need, like omega-3s, all from plant-based sources. That's where the fish get them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so you talk about this interconnection. To me, interconnection is yoga. Yoga means right. union, interconnection. And oftentimes I'll hear people say, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm eating meat because I'm listening to some sort of spiritual something and it's you know, for my higher good or I'm connected and that's why I'm eating this, like some sort of primal thing. Do you think you can be a spiritual meat eater? Well, it's, it's, it's much, you know, people who are eating animal foods have to realize that we're only eating them for one reason. We're eating them because we're following orders. That's the only reason anyone eats meat. We're following orders that were given to us from the highest authorities, our own parents, teachers, ministers, government officials, the media, everybody from the time we were in the womb. <laughs> and, and as soon as we're born, uh, we're fled the flesh of animals and secretions of animals, dairy products and eggs. That's the only reason people are eating them. And so... Um, certainly, if, you know, if, for example, if we had been raised in a society where as soon as we're born we're given cigarettes to smoke or something, and we, you know, we don't, everybody, that's all everybody did, then people would say, well, I'm listening to my body, it just craves cigarettes. Just because it craves cigarettes doesn't mean it's healthy. We all do it, we're going to crave it. It's an addiction that's to essentially toxic. But eating animal foods is much more serious than cigarettes because it's causing the literal raping and killing and torturing of other living beings to do it. 
So um, I think inherently, as someone begins to evolve spiritually, they will move toward a plant-based diet. If someone is, people can evolve spiritually to a certain degree, but I think we're going to hit a ceiling of our spiritual development, and we won't be able to go any farther mm -hmm. uh, if we're eating animal foods. So I think it's important to understand that, and if we're serious about spiritual growth, to change our behavior. Mm -hmm. A spiritual path that does not require us to change our behavior is not a spiritual path. It's mm -hmm. just a, a feel-good kind of uh, delusion. And we are required to, to change the behavior that's violent if we want to make progress spiritually. And that's well understood in all spiritual traditions. Mm -hmm. There's always precepts that should be followed not to harm others. Not killing ahimsa uh, is the number one precept of all world religions. And there's a reason for that. because as we treat others, that is how our mind will be able to open. If we're mistreating others, we will never feel self-confident, we won't have self-esteem, we will not have self-respect, we will never be able to go deep in meditation, period. You will not be able to. We'll be too subconsciously irritated with ourselves mm -hmm. and with others, and we won't be able to go deep. So to go, to be successful in really plumbing the depths of our own consciousness, we must act with kindness for others, especially those who are vulnerable in our hands, like animals. And I, that's exactly what I believe as well. And um, you kind of touched on what we can do, but can you elaborate more what people can do, our listeners can do every day to, to contribute to peace, world peace? Well, yeah, every day I think the most important thing, of course, is to uh, take time to find out. You don't have to believe what I'm saying. You know, mm -hmm. Find out on your own. Find out what we're doing to animals as a culture. Find out more about the uh, interconnectedness of all life. And, and then try to make an effort to not just go along with the cultural program that's been injected into all of us. To question that program and to choose foods and products and entertainment and whatever we consume as much as possible that it, that it reduce the impact that we're going to have on the environment and on other people and on, and, especially, and on animals. And I think the more we do that, the more we will be able to live our lives as individuals with integrity and the more society will be able to live our lives in harmony with the larger order. And that's really the foundation. So we have to question everything that we're hearing in the mass media and the, the inherent violence within the system that we're born into. It's not about feeling guilty. You know, We're all born into a system uh, where we've been forced to disconnect from our natural wisdom and compassion. We've been forced to eat animal foods against our will and to believe things that are not true. So, however, we, once we understand that, we can make an effort and improve ourselves and transform our lives, and that is when the spiritual path really begins. Is that what you mean by the benevolent revolution? And that's what I mean. <laughs> the benevolent revolution is a benevolent evolution, I think, also. It's, a, it's evolving to a higher stage uh, of awareness. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Tuttle. Um, I recommend everybody who's listening to get a copy of The World Peace Diet. It is one of my favorite books, and I think everyone should read it. You can find out more information about Dr. Tuttle at, the, at worldpeacediet.com or worldpeacediet.org. Thanks so much, Dr. Great. Tuttle. Great. Thank you so much for, uh, for, the, for doing the work you're doing. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thank you.